You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teody Anderson. Over the last few weeks, I've gotten a lot of emails with some common threads. I've gotten emails about dogs eating things they shouldn't, acting aggressively towards people to the point of biting them. Unfortunately, I get a lot of those emails on a regular basis, and also running away from home. And people always want to know why. Why does my dog do these things? Well, every dog is different and every dog has different reasons, but the bottom line is they do these things because they're dogs. Dogs will be dogs. And that's the subject of today's show. When we come back, I'm going to share stories about dogs that have done some things that we may consider crazy, but are actually pretty normal for canines. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teody Anderson. So earlier this week, I got an email from a client whose Weimaraner got into the bedroom, jumped up on the bed, started eating the sheets all the way down to the mattress pad and into the mattress, started actually eating the mattress. Now, the guy was furious, obviously. He said he, he did a very good job of restraining himself, which is good. I'm very proud of him. But he's like, why would he do such a thing? Well... Dogs eat things that are bad for them all the time. This happens all the time. You would think that a mattress pad and a mattress wouldn't taste that good, but you have to remember, dogs eat poop. They eat sticks. They eat all sorts of nasty things. Their taste buds obviously are very different from the human ones. We're not talking about gourmands here with sophisticated palates. Dogs eat things for lots of reasons, especially puppies. Puppies don't always outgrow it either, unfortunately. Some dogs are very destructive as puppies, and then they outgrow it as they get older. But some dogs will eat crazy, wacky stuff until the day they leave this earth. Sometimes it's because they're hungry. 
they get into something and they get into the trash can, of course, going after your pork chops or some leftover things in the trash can. Sometimes it is a medical condition. There's a medical condition called pica where dogs will eat all sorts of things, including poop and other things. Sometimes it's stress. When dogs are stressed, they chew. It makes them feel better. It's like you reaching for the ice cream or reaching for a martini. When dogs are stressed, they'll chew and it makes them feel better. And sometimes they just keep chewing until they inhale this thing or destroy it. But a lot of times it's just because they're dogs. I posted a link on my Facebook page the other day that got a lot of views. It's a contest put on by Veterinary Practice News and Folks, it is a contest I hope, I hope, I hope you are never entered in and you never win. What this contest is, the magazine Veterinary Practice News runs it every year. And veterinarians from all over the country submit x-rays of things that animals have eaten. And some of the animals have required surgery to remove these items and some of them do pass naturally. But it's very, very dangerous stuff. And the stuff that dogs eat is crazy. Now, I have personally had two pets, two dogs, unfortunately, who had to have surgery for things that they ate. One was a Shetland sheepdog many years ago. She got a hold of twine, a rope. It was like a, it was twine that had gotten into the backyard somehow, probably blew in. It was very wispy and she ate it. And things like twine or pantyhose, knee highs, anything kind of stretchy like that is very, very dangerous for dogs. Also very dangerous for cats. Uh, I know that a lot of cats get into the tinsel at Christmas on the tree. Don't ever put tinsel up if you have cats. What happens is these little strings get into their system and it gets stuck in the intestines, but the digestive system keeps progressing. And so it starts bunching up and it can get really, really nasty in there and usually needs to be removed surgically. So she got a hold of twine, had to have surgery. She survived the surgery, thank goodness. My three-legged Labrador ate a plastic tree planter. You know the dish that goes under a planter where you water the plant and then it goes down into this dish and it keeps the water there? Well, he got a hold of that part of it, that dish, and he snuck it in the backyard in this big bush where we couldn't see him, and he just ate it. I have no idea why. But he ate it and he got stuck, and of course, we had to have it surgically removed, and luckily, he survived that surgery too. They don't always survive the surgery, so that's why these things are very dangerous. But this contest on Veterinary Practice News just highlights the fact that dogs will eat anything, and animals in general, because it's not just dogs on it. I'm going to give you a few examples if you hadn't seen it, and if you haven't, please do go to my Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Anderson. Scroll down, and you'll see the link. It is just amazing. Well, they have, I think this was the second place winner. And the second place winner was a neutered male German short-haired pointer named Marley, of course. And his owner presented him to the veterinarian saying that she thought he'd eaten a shish kebab skewer. And she prepared two skewers with meat and vegetables and left them on the kitchen counter for just a second. And then the kebabs, they were gone. And she found one of the skewers, but not the other. And sure enough, on this x-ray, you can see a shish kebab skewer. And I just want to point out that you do not need to be a radiologist to be able to read these x-rays. Because I, by no means, have a medical degree. And I could look at this x-ray and say, oh my gosh, that's not supposed to be in there. But this dog ate an entire skewer. It was crazy. The really crazy one, if that isn't crazy enough for you, was a Great Dane who ate 40 
43 and a half socks. 43 and a half socks. There's a picture of all the socks they took out of him. This was a three-year-old male Great Dane. He was an adult dog and he was vomiting all day and he took him into the vet and he had a severely distended stomach because there were over 43 socks in it. You got to ask your dog, you know, why not just stop at 10? Why did it have to be 43 and a half socks? And where was this stash of socks that this dog got a hold of? The dog obviously had to have surgery, removed all the socks, and he survived. People also ask, well, won't the dog learn for next time? Folks, they're not going to learn. A lot of times the pain and discomfort and sickness that your dog feels from eating something like that doesn't happen until later. If they were to bite something and it hurt them right then, like when dogs pick up toads that are dangerous and have a foul taste to them and they spit them right out, some dogs will learn. Not all of them. Some try again. But when something gets stuck in the digestive tract, it's been a while before it gets there. And so dogs do not learn from these things. So sometimes if they're really bad about eating inanimate objects, it can be a repeated problem, which isn't very good at all. But they've got a bunch of these here at Veterinary Practice News, everything from a little tiny mixed breed puppy, seven weeks old that ate a hook. The family had been catfishing and baiting the hooks with chicken livers and the dog ate the liver and the hook all together. And there's a, a great radiograph, not for the poor person who went through this, but uh, it's proof that it's not always dogs, but there was a cat, a little five-month-old little kitten that was sick, and they brought him in, and in the x-ray, you can clearly see a tiny little alien. It's a little alien figurine, and it looks just like a little alien with a big oval head right there in his digestive tract. So, thank goodness most of these animals, I believe, in the story did survive. Everything from eating a light bulb to, I did mention the second place winner. The first place winner was actually a frog. He ate a bunch of gravel, and uh, to a dog that ate a bunch of rubber duckies. So we need to be sure that we're keeping these dogs safe and know that they will eat anything. Seriously. It's not because they're starving for 43 socks or they are being spiteful and they don't like all the time you take with your laundry so they want to eat all these socks. Dogs will just eat crazy, crazy things. And to a dog, it may seem perfectly rational. I have had clients whose dogs have eaten sheetrock have eaten holes in the sheetrock, and that can't taste good. It really can't. A couple things to keep in mind for that, too, is that we really need to keep an eye on these animals and make sure that they are going to be safe because you don't want to end up in this contest. In the case of the Weimaraner who ate the mattress, there was actually another thing going on that triggered the destructive chewing. It was the fact that he had turned seven months old. First thing I asked when my client wrote me was, how old is the dog? And he said, he's right at seven months. I said, yep, that's the problem. See, at four months, puppies are going to lose those baby teeth. They're going to fall out and those big adult teeth are coming in and it hurts. And so they chew on things because it makes them feel better. It's soothing to their gums and, and their teeth are trying to break through. So most people are used to the fact that puppies at about four months of age, when they start losing those baby teeth, are going to be chewing everything in sight. Then people forget about it. The dog gets a little bit better. People start giving them more freedom in the house. What they don't realize or they forget is that about seven months, the big back molars come in. 
So your dog is teething again. So even if your dog has been an angel for the past month, a month and a half, here comes the big back molars and they hurt. So your dog's going to start chewing again. And I'm pretty sure that's probably what happened with the wine runner. Other than the fact that he did need to be supervised a little bit more closely because obviously he could not be trusted. That's a certainly expensive lesson to learn, isn't it? Mattresses are not cheap. Always remember to supervise your dogs closely, especially if they're puppies. I am a huge fan of crate training for that very reason. It does keep them safe. And uh, if you're unable to supervise them, you do need to use crates appropriately. But it is much better for a dog to be safely contained in a crate appropriately than to get a hold of something like this and then require surgery. Because surgery is scary. they got to anesthetize them. It's very dangerous going into the intestinal tract and stomach. They can get infection. So we want to keep them safe. But know that, yes, they'll eat everything from socks to light bulbs. And isn't that a terrifying, terrifying thing? Uh, Speaking of confinement, I had another email recently about a dog that ran away from home. I actually had a couple of them. It's the end of summer here. Dogs are getting a little antsy, wanting to go exploring. But uh, in general, always know that your dog should not be loose in unfenced yards. You can't guarantee they're going to stay with you. Again, with the puppy situation, people have these little puppies and they follow them around like ducklings and they're, they pay attention to them and the puppies are little angels. And then one day, The person goes out in the front yard where there's no fence and the puppy just takes off. And this is what happened recently with this particular email. The dog ran off across the street to greet a neighbor where he had never done that before. And again, he was about seven months old, which again is the trigger for a lot of different things. Adolescence is kicking in. But very, very, very young puppies, when you first bring them home, their senses aren't as developed yet. So they can't see the neighbor across the street. They don't smell the squirrel across the street yet. But as they get older their senses develop better. And so they're going to want to explore. So dogs will take off running. So you always have to keep them on a leash. If there's an unfenced yard, make sure that you keep them safe. Some people say, well, I have lots of acreage and my dog will run. Well, I've still known dogs to get hurt because dogs do not know the borders of your property. You can't guarantee that the dog is going to stay within the confines of whatever yard, no matter how many acres you have. Dogs are all about motivation. What's in it for the dog? And we want them to have all these lofty goals and dogs can do amazing things. I'll talk about that too, but dogs are all about motivation. If there's a squirrel, they're going to go for it. There might be a rabbit. Maybe they want to smell the dirt on the other side of the street, but that's going to be enough. It's all in the motivation. And something I always find interesting is that when dogs run away, when they, when they get out of the yard, they go exploring, people get hurt. First of all, they're scared. They get angry and they get frightened because they don't want their dogs to get hurt. But I've had several people over the years say, well, you know, I love him and I I rescued him and I took him in and I feed him and I bought him all these toys. Doesn't he love me? It is not that your dog doesn't love you. That's not why he runs away. He's not some recalcitrant teenager trying to rebel against the man in the house, the authority. That's not what it is about. It has nothing to do with love. People get hurt. I've had people just feel betrayed by dogs because they run off. And this is, again, an unrealistic expectation. Dogs are dogs. You can call it anthropomorphizing when you attribute human emotions to animals, to to things that aren't human. And that can get you into trouble. It really can because it's not fair to the dog and it's also often wrong. When a dog runs off and, and escapes the yard, it's because whatever is outside the yard is more rewarding than what's in it. That's just the bottom line. 
it's not that he doesn't love you. He doesn't wish that somebody else had rescued him. He doesn't hate the breakfast you gave him that morning. He's in it for the adventure. It's fun. The law of learning, the science of learning says that behavior is rewarded, is repeated. So the first time your dog gets out of the yard is usually just a guess. He's playing around. He gets out. He sees what happens. He sees something outside the yard he wants, and so he goes for it. And then he has a great time. Maybe he went on a little adventure through your neighborhood and met some little new doggy friends, and maybe they play. Maybe he went down the street and found a construction site, and the construction workers gave him some of their sandwiches. So now he's had this great adventure, this wonderful walkabout, and he thinks that it is awesome to leave your yard and go on these adventures. It's not spite. It's not dominance. It's not that he doesn't love you. It's just that everything that happened to him outside the yard was more fun than what was inside the yard. So if you do have a dog that's getting out, first of all, you need to properly confine them behind a physical fence. Big believer in physical fences. Make sure that the fence is secure. There aren't any holes or things that he can get out of. And you also need to teach him that his yard is the best place to be. You really want him to be in his yard and you can rotate toys and and make it more fun for him to be in there. But make sure that if he does get out, he's not getting rewarded for that. And don't take it personally. It's not personal. Speaking of stuff like that, we need to take a break. But when we get back, I'm going to tell you about a request I get a couple times a year that just baffles me. Uh, We'll be back in just a minute. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Hi, I'm Dr. Robin Gansert, President and CEO of American Humane Association, the country's first national humane organization, here to tell you about our new show, Be Humane, on Pet Life Radio. Each week, we'll be bringing you the latest news and issues affecting our animal friends, and we'll also be bringing you interviews with Hollywood's biggest animal advocates, here to share tales about their pets and what they're doing to promote a more humane world. Our own highly experienced staff and friends the organization will also join us each week to share what they're up to in the animal world. I hope you'll stop by. Until then, let's always remember to be humane. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teodi Anderson. Dogs will be dogs, and that's what we're talking about today. I said right before the break that I'm going to tell you about a request I get a couple times a year that simply baffles me. People have the most unrealistic expectations for dogs, and I think that 
one of the things I do most as a professional dog trainer is set realistic expectations. But this one, again, a couple times a year, I get it. And it always surprises me because it's so unrealistic. But people are fully expecting the dog to be able to do this. I get contacted by people who want to train their dogs for protection. That's not the wacky part. Dogs can do that. I'm fully on board with protection training done properly. That's not the issue. But what they want is for the dog to automatically know who is bad and who isn't. And that always cracks me up because it's like we attribute some sort of mystical quality to dogs that they will be able to ferret out the bad guys and ferret out the good guys and automatically know who is whom. Are some dogs good at judging people? Yes. Most of them are not. That would be an exception. I always ask people when they ask me that, they said, well, I want the dog to know. And sometimes it's a woman who, whose husband travels quite frequently and she's alone in the house and she doesn't feel safe, but she wants the dog to be able to tell her who should be allowed in the house and who shouldn't be allowed. Or she wants the dog to be able to know if somebody comes on the property, whether it's a friend or not. They're supposed to just instinctively know this. And I always ask people, have you ever been divorced? I've been divorced and I really could have sworn he was a good guy. I was wrong. <laughs> so... If you've ever been divorced or if you, have you ever fell for someone as a friend and just love this person as a friend and they betrayed you or they stabbed you in the back or did something bad to you, that happens frequently. So if we are humans with higher cognitive brains and opposable thumbs and we can't figure out who the good guys are or the bad guys are, how do we expect these simpler creatures to do it? You can't attribute these mystical powers to dogs. It doesn't work. Dogs shouldn't be put in that situation where they're supposed to make those decisions. Honestly, my past Labrador, may his sweet soul rest in peace. He would welcome serial killers into my home as long as they had the ability to fill a food bowl. If they could go into the pantry and fill his food bowl, he would have welcomed them with open paws and said, welcome to the family. Go ahead. Marry my mom. This will be awesome. That's all his criteria was for loving people. He really wasn't that picky. A lot of dogs are like that. They'll invite the bad guys in and show them where the silver is. I saw an episode of a television show. I think it was called To Catch a Thief. I could be wrong about that. But it was a reality type series where a former thief would break into a home to show how easy it was to break into this home. And then they would install this whiz-bang security system in the home. And then he would try to break in again to see if he could do it. Well, there was an episode where the home had a Doberman pincher, at least one, and another dog, another large dog. And the owner said, well, you know, you're not going to get in my house. I have dogs. Well, the guy broke into the house, went straight to the kitchen. The dogs were barking and growling and getting all riled up. He opened up the pantry, opened the bag of food, and just spread it all over the floor. And the dogs were like, hey, we love you, and started eating the food so he could rob the house. You can't guarantee that the presence of a dog is going to deter crime. You can't also guarantee that a dog will know when a person is bad or not. Some dogs may be able to pick a bad guy up from a lineup, but some are just inherently suspicious by nature. There are certain breeds that don't just allow anybody in their circle of friends. It just depends on the dog. Some dogs who have never been properly socialized as puppies aren't going to accept strangers either. For example, a lot of dogs that grew up, especially during those first 16 weeks of critical socialization and never met children, so they end up being two or three before they ever meet a child and they are growling at the child and their fur is up along their hackles, their shoulders, and they're actually terrified of the child, which is why that they're growling and barking. But that doesn't mean that the children are evil. It just means that the dog was never properly socialized to children. So how can you gauge? 
whether, oh, this child must be demonic because my dog hates him. No, it's probably just a kid and the dog was never properly socialized towards children. It also doesn't mean that the dog was abused in previous lives before you got your dog by children or by men or by other things. Most of that fear is because of lack of socialization. So you can't say that it's the person's fault because of that. It's really not a realistic situation. I had a client once contact me and they were very upset. They had had dinner guests the previous night and they were they were very sweet. They came up and said, Tiyoti, we're afraid our dog is racist. I said, what do you mean you think your dog is racist? She said, well, we had Japanese guests. They're from Japan. And they came over last night. My dog loves everybody, would not go near them, would not come near them. They were very friendly people. They're friends of ours. We've known them for years, but they'd never met my dog before. They tried to make friends, and my dog would have nothing to do with them. And the closer they got, the more she would growl. We ended up just putting her up in another room, which was the right thing to do. So I started asking around. I said, by any chance, were your guests smokers? Do they smoke cigarettes? And she said, yes. I said, are you a smoker? She says, no, I've never smoked. I said, has your dog ever been around smokers? And she said, you know, come to think of it, all my friends are non-smokers. I said, that's probably what it was. The people smelled wrong. They smelled like fire. They smelled like cigarettes. And the dog, dogs are very motivated by scent and very driven by scent. And so the people smelled wrong to the dog. And that's why the dog was reacting. Had nothing to do with the fact that they were Japanese. But the poor people thought their dog was racist. So by the token that dogs can mystically sense who's bad or who's not, these poor guests would have been put on the most wanted list because the dog didn't like them. And that was not realistic, not a realistic expectation. Again, There are some dogs that are going to sense when things are wrong. Of course, it's the dog's concept of what's wrong. Maybe the person's just a smoker and you're not. A situation I was in a couple years ago, I was traveling with Finian, my little Papillon, and I had not been to the city before. And I ended up booking a room in one of the creepiest hotels ever. It was one of those little hotels on the side of the road where the doors open out. It's not internal. And so it opens out and it was just creepy. It was just creepy. It was one of those places where you're second guessing everything. You're pretty convinced there might be a camera in the shower and it's just a bad situation. And I was stuck there for the night. There was nowhere else to go. And I was creeped out. I was completely creeped out. So of course I was creeped out. So my dog was a little bit on edge, but it was really interesting because I was sleeping in the bed and I would wake up like every hour because I just couldn't rest in this place. And the entire night, Finian stayed in between me and the door. He always positioned himself, so he was always between me and the door. And every time I would look at him, his ears were up. And every now and then throughout the night, he'd have this little low growl coming out of him. And it was very protective. And my poor little nine-pound Fluffy was trying to protect his mom. And I don't know whether there were creeps outside or not. And he was probably getting a lot of vibes from me because I was a little scared staying in the place. But whereas my Labrador would have welcomed anybody who walked in with a bacon cheeseburger, little Finian was having second thoughts about this. He thought, you know, maybe I better screen the people coming into the room or coming around here because I'm not too sure of them. So again, some dogs have certain instincts towards these things and some don't, but it's not a realistic expectation for every dog. I do have very good trainer friends who train protection. Everyone who's done it right has told me that a good protection dog should be just as good as a good therapy dog. They should be safe because it's the people who should be making the decisions about when the dog growls or goes for somebody, not the dog. It should never, ever be up to the dog. Dogs do not make good decisions. It should always be 
the person who makes that decision. So people have these unrealistic expectations. And where does it come from? We talk about this as trainers when we get together at conferences or hanging out over meals and things. And some trainers blame the Disneyfication of dogs. You have dogs on TV and in movies and they have all these amazing abilities. And some people just don't know enough about canine behavior to realize most of what's on screen is not normal. I hope that's the case. I hope that people don't believe that stuff is real. But I do think there's some of that too. But I think for the most part, giving people credit, they just don't know enough about what dogs should and shouldn't be able to do. So they attribute some of these great abilities to the fact that their dog that they bring home that is not on TV or in a movie should be able to do the same things. I think that I don't think it's all Disney's fault. They do have a lot of animal movies that where the animals do amazing things. It's been around on TV for a long time. I am a huge fan of Lassie. I'm dating myself. I'm talking about uh, original Lassie. Although it wasn't around then. I didn't watch repeats. But I love Lassie. Lassie was obviously the collie, always fishing Timmy out of the well, always saving the day. But my absolute favorite episode of Lassie was so ludicrous. I even recognized it as a child that it was ludicrous. But mom was in the woods and she got caught in some sort of trap. Why the trap didn't sever her leg, I don't know, but she was caught in this trap. And of course, Lassie finds her through the woods and Lassie's barking and looking gorgeous as she does. And she's unable to get mom out of the trap. So mom turns to Lassie and she says, Lassie, I need you to go back home and go into the shed and get the sea clamp the sea clamp, Lassie. And she's shaping her hand in the form of a sea. And Lassie's like, Roger, I'm on it. She goes and takes off and goes get the sea clamp and comes back, which is the most hysterical thing ever. No, that doesn't happen. The reason why Lassie did that is because she had trainers and it was in the script and it was pretty much miraculous in that way. But I loved how mom was asking Lassie to go fetch the sea clamp to save her from this trap. And exactly, it went to plan. I thought that was awesome. And know this, that I did go to the National Collie Specialty several years ago, and I got to meet the current Lassie, and I absolutely crushed on him. Sorry, Lassie's a boy. Crushed on him like a schoolgirl. He was absolutely gorgeous. I had my picture taken with him and everything. So I love Lassie. I get it. I totally get it. I love watching movies with dogs and TV shows with dogs, and I love behind-the-scenes stuff to see how they're trained, but I I just love them for the sake of the story and the sake of it's a beautiful dog on screen. But we have to know that these things are not realistic. So I think that media does play into it. Another thing we talk about as trainers is the old Shep syndrome. It's called a bunch of different things, but I call it the old Shep syndrome, where everybody's previous dogs were perfect, but the dog they have now is not perfect. And it's like they had old Shep and old Shep could save Timmy from the well, and he could go find the C-clamp and any other tool that you would specify. And he could fix your car, and he could drive you to the grocery store, and he could do all these wonderful things and know which bad guys were bad and welcome poor little orphan kittens into the home. And these dogs were perfect. And then you got this other dog that it doesn't meet that dream or that expectation. Sometimes it happens because the first dogs that we had were when we were kids, And our parents dealt with all the eating of mattresses and alien toys and running away from home. We never had to deal with that stuff. We just dealt with the playtime part. Or maybe we had a couple chores, but we didn't have to deal with the nitty gritty of canine ownership. So we don't remember it because we never really experienced it. And other things contribute to that too. I I have had situations where people come up to me and say, you know, I've had labs all my life, except one has never done what this dog does. Or I've had fill in the breed all my life. Well, every dog is different. You can have siblings that are night and day. If you have brothers and sisters, are you exactly alike? No, 
know. You may have some similarities, but you're probably also very different. And dogs are the same way, even outside of a family of dogs. If you have a dog, just because it's the same breed doesn't mean it's going to act the same way. I had a lovely, lovely older couple come through my class once. They had a Brittany Spaniel. And it was uh, about five or six months old. And it was bouncing on the end of the leash. Boing, 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 boing. Just bouncing. And this lovely couple looked horror stricken. And I'm like, what's wrong? Because I was just meeting them and their dog. They said, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with our dog? And I'm looking at this beautiful little Brittany Spaniel. Boing, boing, boing. I said, looks normal to me. They said, we had a Brittany Spaniel for 14. I think the dog lived 14 or 16 years. Very long time. They said she was the most laid back dog ever. She just hung around the house all day and was very relaxed and she was never like this. Well, apparently this lovely couple had a freak of a Brittany in the past. Brittany's are sporting breeds. They're very active. They're known for running and flushing game and go, 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 go. That's what a normal Brittany is. But bless their hearts, as we say in the South, these folks had an extremely unusual Brittany Spaniel that wasn't like the rest of the breed. But that's what they based their criteria on because that's the one that they had. It was an old Shep syndrome. Old Shep was this way, but the new dog isn't. And I think that can often contribute to why people have these unrealistic expectations too. We just have to remember dogs will be dogs. We can't pretend that they're something else. And they can do amazing things. I've seen it in the therapy work that I do with my dogs. And yes, there are stories of dogs that go find children that are lost in the woods and they're not even related to the kids or they're not even search and rescue dogs, but they go find these children and stay with them and keep them warm and all sorts of stories about dogs that have done amazing things. We just can't attribute superhuman traits to them because you're going to be bound to be disappointed. And it also discounts the wonderful nature of who they really are. Dogs are special. They're just special in that they're dogs. One of the smartest dogs I ever had was Merlin. He was a Sheltie. And I was married at the time, and my spouse and I had a spat. One of those little silly spats that you have. He was complaining because I never left the light on for him when I went to bed. Well, I always left the light on for him when he went to bed. I always went to bed first. He went to bed later, but I always left the light on. So we had this argument. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. One of those. Well, a couple nights later, I was just about to drift off. My eyelids were really heavy and I'm looking through my lashes and Merlin slept at the foot of the bed and he got up and he looked my way and I kept my eyes almost closed and he walked over to the lamp. Now, at the time I had touch lamps, those lamps that have low, medium, high off settings and he nosed the lamp off, went to the foot of the bed and lay back down. Merlin had been turning the lamp off every single night. Apparently, the light interfered with his beauty sleep. He was a very beautiful dog, and he didn't like the light in his eyes. So he'd been turning it off every night. I got blamed for it, which was probably his plan anyway. He was a very smart dog. No, but he was turning the lamp off every night. That's pretty smart to figure that out. And I don't know how he did it, but he learned how to turn lamps off. Dogs can do amazing things, but they're still dogs, and we love them for it. So always remember, dogs are dogs. Sometimes there is no secret why. Sometimes it's just because they're a dog. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'd like to thank my producer for making it possible. And please do join me online. You can find me on the website at getpositiveresults.com. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Anderson, Or you can email me at teoti at petliferadio.com. That's T-E-O-T-I at petliferadio.com. Once again, thanks for listening to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets. 
every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.